Thank you for tuning into the VF1 show with VF and Vincenzo, the podcast that discusses all things business, marketing, politics, and government within the world of Formula One. If that's your thing, then you found the right place. So without further ado, it's lights out and away we go. Yo, yo, happy new year. You know, Larry David said January 3rd, which is the day we're recording this, is the last day you can wish people happy new year. So you're going to listen to this and you're going to be like, wait a minute. It's after the third. Well, I'm recording on the third. So happy new year to everybody. And welcome back to the VF1 show. Vincenzo Landino, my co-host, Vanessa VF Castro is on the other line. She might be coughing right now because I can't hear her. She's sick. I'm sick. <laughs> We're all sick. It's just everybody's sick nowadays. But uh, how the hell are you other than being sick, of course? Uh, you know, I, I want to say I'm good. But I'm not because because there's no race this weekend and that makes me really sad. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm 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 all right. I'm all right. I am uh, getting ready for a uh, second baby on the way. I'm Aww. sick. My wife's sick. We're all sick. It's kind of like a wild and crazy. Uh, it's just wild. I can hear my wife coughing in the background. It's kind of funny. And then you're coughing in, <laughs> in like you're coughing in one ear. My wife's coughing downstairs. Yeah, it's just <clears throat> it's been. Uh, and now you're coughing in my. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> been funny. a wild off season. I mean, but the, it hasn't been. That's the problem. I, I guess it's been a wild off season for for me personally, not necessarily like oh, actual F1, off yeah. season. Oh, right? for sure. Like, yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I always relish the off. Like I love racing, right? I love watching racing. I love, yeah. but there's also such a calm to the fact that like you get to not have to worry about it for a little bit. Yeah. It's been uh, so wild how much we worry about 20 cars going uh-huh. around a track like yeah. for the majority of the year. And then we, it, we have one, two real months off. And the crazy starts back up again and we get so happy, but like, why is it this, this sport just has such a chokehold on us. And I understand why so many new fans are gravitating towards the sport. Um, and I love that it continues to grow, but it's like, you have to be insane to have fallen in love with F1, you know, decades ago even, and still be there right now. Oh God. I mean, it's not like we're both insane. We know that. (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely not it, it's not for casuals that's why it's so hard to, when people talk about being a casual fan I find it so difficult to actually believe that someone is actually a casual fan because it's like most of the time anybody that I've met everyone I know in those circles of, of motorsport or people that are into cars and engineering like you're all in you're not yeah. kind of like eh, i'm dipping my toe in or i mean you're you're all in you are all about it it consumes your life so it yeah. is kind of funny to hear to hear a casual say like yeah i kind of watch it. i'm okay with it like i i don't mind it it's like yeah i mean you really can't do that it's you're either all in or yeah you're all out. When um, I was in Vegas, there were so many people on the strip who I was just huh? randomly, you know, talking to random people and they would be like, 
I would ask them like, is this your first race? Is this your first time like being around Formula One? Yeah, this is so cool. We just wanted to come down here. Prices of hotels were going down. So we just figured why not? Let's come down, bring the family. And I would ask people, so like, what, like, what are your initial impressions? Oh, we think it's crazy. It's so cool. There's so much going on, man. Those cars are loud. Um, no, if you only knew. I know, but that was my original, like initial thought when I actually heard those cars in Vegas, I'm like, Oh God, this is the wrong car for the wrong track. Like that's, that's, that's... give us the V8, the V10 and let these people experience F1 in its glory with the sustainable fuel option. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm like, yeah, this sounds dope, but like it used to sound cooler. But I love this for your journey because you know nothing about Formula One. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I feel sometimes we'll we'll actually we'll jump in and we'll talk about Vegas real quick because some more Vegas yeah. numbers are Vegas adjacent numbers came out. And, but uh, I was I was I was having dinner with my daughter who's not even two years old yet, and she was asking to watch Elmo and I was like let's try something different and I and I said uh, I'm gonna play just for I was we were watching like YouTube Ferrari videos and cars and you know, V10s and stuff like that and she was absolutely enthralled oh, yes. she was so stoked and I was like okay this is cool and, and it just makes you I don't know well, just makes you realize how much of a of a grip the sound can can uh, have on, oh yeah on you that's so cool though what a cool yeah. dad moment for you <laughs> yeah sure i mean she's she's watched races with me if she's uh you know if she's if they're at an hour where she can watch them um she'll sit there you know she was she was born uh the the day she was born was uh um, it was the australian gp and mm. so we got to I don't know. I got to not that not that she watched it that day, but I was I thought she was. You know, she was. Oh, she was born. She was. I was holding her and I'm watching the race at whatever one o'clock in the morning, and so it was, that was pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that's, it's that's awesome. So Just, I mean, listen, you never want to force. I don't think you want to force your kids to enjoy anything, but it's always cool to just be like, oh, this is what daddy likes. And, Hopefully you'll enjoy it too. So we can do it together one day. It's so cool when like, cause I grew up with football. And so when yeah. I told my dad, I wanted to be a sports writer, um, specifically football, he got so excited. He was all in on it. He's like, suddenly he became my coach. And I'm like, this is so fun. And he was like, Vanessa, you know, sports, you love sports. I raised you on sports. I was only, I think seven, six months old when I went to my first uh, football game, um, at the USC Coliseum to watch the USC. And, um, so for him, I think that was just such a cool, like full circle moment, but I, who so knows? Cool. Maybe, maybe Bianca is going to be an F1 presenter someday. That so would she be got, freaking cool. <laughs> she got a, <laughs> uh, a gift from my brother, her uncle gave her a, a uh, Range Rover, like a, not, obviously not full size, but like a, she can sit in it and drive it. And yeah. part, you know what she loves the most? turning on pushing the button to start it and listening because it, it starts up and it's like vroom, vroom, and it's like this really loud engine that roars and she loves it she's always like vroom, vroom, every time Aww. 
which is cool. Hell yeah. So, yeah. It's raising uh, it's, her makes right. me, It makes me smile. I'm like, yeah, it's a Range Rover, but it's okay. At least you like the engine <laughs> sounds. Like, speaking of Vegas, there was, uh, I, this was just some interesting info, I think side info, and we can kind of take this wherever you want to go with it, but the, um, the numbers on the gambling play came out mm-hmm. and it was uh, the gaming authority. I think it was, um, they said that the Las Vegas Grand Prix drove strip casinos. So specifically on the strip. And I think that's important. Anyone that's, you know, knows Vegas, there's Vegas on the strip and then there's kind of like Vegas downtown and there's like, there's different parts of Las Vegas, right? Strip casinos had their second largest gaming revenue month ever, all time, in November, which is typically a, a, a slower month anyway, but it was their second largest gaming revenue month ever. Eight hundred produced it helped produce eight hundred and twenty-one million dollars in gambling for strip casinos during that month, which was a twenty-two point two. Uh, twenty-two point six percent increase over two thousand twenty-two. Um, wow. I thought I thought this was an interesting indicator that um, Baccarat was uh, a, a big indicator of where the audience came from, and so the Baccarat play during the GP weekend was up over 208% from the year earlier. The reason why I call out Baccarat is because Baccarat, um, the gaming authority, associates uh, Baccarat with the high-end international audience. So that being said, uh, there there was definitely a lot of money made on the strip. And... The other uh, information I had I saw was that the other casinos, if they weren't on the strip, they were actually kind of. Uh, I think there was actually either a decrease. I, I don't have the number in front of me now, but when I was doing some research for a Twitter post, it was um, it was either a decrease or a very very small small increase. So no, the the success of the GP was really limited to the strip, and and so I know you probably have more to add on. You know why that is because you were you've lived there so you you can kind of talk about the dynamic there and how that works but interesting right? yeah yeah that's actually really cool um i it's hard to assess that for like actually what it is though because obviously we know that vegas is vegas is vegas vegas will always be mm-hmm. vegas but vegas also responds to the economy in ways that i don't I don't think a lot of other cities or, or, you know, states could respond to. And that is just because of the heavy amount of spending that goes on there. And, you know, when you don't have, when you lack that discretionary spending, you're not going to go to places like Vegas. You're going to say, okay, well, if we have extra money, we're going to go someplace else, not to a place where you could lose more money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think long-term, I don't think that the growth that Vegas saw in the gaming numbers is necessarily sustainable. Maybe that's going to be kind of that flash in the pan event because I have read on Forbes and other places that um, firms have said that um, while 
Vegas hasn't recovered yet to pre-pandemic levels that they are also saying that could kind of roll over into 2024. So it doesn't mm. necessarily mean that you might have had a really successful November. The Las Vegas Grand Prix might have brought in incredible amounts of revenue. But again, that's not necessarily sustainable long term because, you know, and I say that because so much of the pushback from Vegas residents was the inconvenience. And they would all say, okay, great, we might get a, you know, a billion dollars in revenue because of this thing, but we're still being inconvenienced for extremely long periods of time. And what are we going to get um, in the long run, you know, for our inconveniences? You know what I mean? So if that revenue isn't able to, that revenue increase isn't able to be sustained, at least at some points throughout um, the year, then I do see Vegas residents as saying, really, this is cool, but it's a flash in the pan event that benefits only the casinos, which are conglomerates. It only benefits their restaurants. It only benefits their vendors that they contract out. It only benefits just a few small um, businesses on the strip that are able to afford to do business on the strip, because let's call it what it is. That is not a cheap place to do business at. Um, so really, I think this is fantastic, but what's the benefit again to the locals? What's the benefit to the, to the true local economy? You know what I mean? So well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to assess that. And we talked about this, you know, we had talked about this, um, earlier in the year uh, or earlier in the season about how there was no consideration for, for locals, you know, they, they, they promoted it themselves. They meaning F1 and Liberty Media, as opposed to selecting a local group, um, a local promoter, you know, that, that knows the, the area. And so I think that hurt them to some extent, obviously the, the, the event was, seems to have been a success. The numbers look good from what's been reported. Again, I always caveat these things because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm being told and who's telling me those things. And obviously people with agendas are going to tell you certain numbers are, are good and whatnot. Um, but I think it would really be beneficial for F1 to say, hey, you know what? Let's just... Let's just do this the way we we do it, kind of everywhere else. Let's allow this the local flavor to really showcase itself, and let's just focus on making better racing. And we and again, I, I hate to keep saying yeah. the same exact thing: like, <laughs> focus on the racing, focus on the racing, focus on the racing. But it, that's really what it is. Like, if you just focus on the racing and you don't have to go and run this event and make it this you know big splash then we can worry about having a really really good race now it was a good race so that's what they have going for it but you've got to improve it um i was yeah. ironically today i was watching a video about the um the lexus lfa their supercar mm -hmm. and when it, the, the japanese idea of kaizen is the, you know always make things you know to consistently be better 
um, constantly be improving. And it got me thinking about, you know, recording this episode. And I was like, well, you know, a couple things we're going to talk about today, one being the Grand, the Vegas Grand Prix and how do they improve? And, you know, that's, it's, it's less one up yourself. Cause I think the idea of always one upping yourself is just, let's just make the biggest flashiest thing versus mm. the idea of Kaizen, that Japanese concept of constantly improving, actually making it better. Yeah. Um, which is, which to me is, is very different. So, yeah. and I think for Vegas, there's so many little things that they can do better that mm -hmm. are very obvious issues. Um, you know, I will say this, the Las Vegas Grand Prix had 1.3 million viewers. Um, despite the time it was the third largest, uh, F1 audience this season on TV. Mm -hmm. So it's not bad. I mean, 1.6 or 1.3 million viewers at, at, you know, 10 o'clock local time is, is wild. Well, <laughs> it's wild and, and to me. Think about this, right? Minor changes like making the time more accessible to all time zones of the United States. You're going to, you could, you could easily double that number if you included the East coast, the yeah. largest you know, your largest audience um, in, in there. So if you consider them, you mm -hmm. instantly have. It would be um, easy. I think it would be easy because it's 100%. not like it, it's not like it doesn't get dark until 10 p.m. in Vegas. I mean, it's dark by like seven. It's winter. Mm -hmm. oh, so, here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's completely doable. Um, and I think that, um, again, you get the race underway at seven. It's over. You know, everyone is done and dusted by like 10, 11. And then they go out. I'm not finishing the race. Twelve o'clock, twelve thirty, and then, it, you know, you have the the post race wrap up, and you're not done with that until two thirty three, and then by that time you're exhausted. So yeah. I think that would help the local economy even more by having more people actually having time to experience the city after the race itself. Because I will say this: after the race was over, it's almost like people just kind of disappeared. The crowds just weren't really there. And when we went um, back down to the Strip, um, God, I forgot the the Link Hotel is where I think everybody was staying. We went down, we were down by the Link and um, there was hardly any people. It's like, it's like everyone just kind of left and disappeared. And I think I saw more people trying to get in and out after the race <laughs> than at the Link than, you know, people actually still on the Strip and looking and trying to take it all in because how many times you go to Vegas and like actually go to a club? That's what everybody does. So I, maybe it's just more of a racing aficionado than a club aficionado that I would be there to just kind of want to hang out by the track and just maybe kind sure. of watch them take it down and the logistics of it because I think that's fascinating. But I don't know, maybe, maybe F1 could kind of look into things more on the technical side of the race to kind of appease that part of the audience because you have to imagine too there are a lot of people who go to vegas who don't drink there are a lot of people who watch formula one who don't drink they don't go to clubs it's not their thing so i don't know i think maybe opening you know different activations different things up to them next year might might again be one of those little things they could do to build upon um what they're already building and considering the fact that how many alcohol-free brands are now involved in formula one you know estrella 
uh, Heineken. Well, they've, they've all got, yeah. And those yeah, are they traditional. All, yeah, they all have their, now they're alcohol free. So I don't know, maybe we're kind of reaching here, but if you're going to be a sponsorship, go on, just say, hey, we're going to do something because we want to make more money or we want to, we know because this is motorsports, we can push this, you know, you know, don't drink and drive kind of concept and make a ton of money by selling these products, but actually do something tangible with that for fans that that is their lifestyle. I think that would be cool. But also uh, maybe we can kind of go into the next topic here um, and talk about steak. Uh, Mm, Steak, prime rib. Mm. Oh God, I love steak so much. (laughs) Are you a, are you a, are you a steak and ketchup guy? No. Oh God, no. What the hell? If you have to put ketchup on your steak, it's probably not a good steak. People in Texas get so mad at that. You could say, oh, I love ketchup. And they're like, they look at you like you're Satan and automatically assume you're talking about steak. You're like, no, I'm not Patrick Mahomes, dude. I'm not crazy. Anyway. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Anyway. (laughs) We've talked about that. We can talk about the actual F1 team. What do you think about that? I don't, it's, it's a casino, right? So it's an online, it's a crypto casino. So it kind of yeah. hits a couple different issues that are not really like super kosher in every country. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I don't also know. legally it, too. Well, right. Right. Uh, you've got the, the legality of, of things and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Somebody said to me today, they were like, "Oh, I, I kind of wish there was a you know bigger brands that were involved." And I'm like, you know, that, that's an interesting. That's that's interesting, right? Because I'm not saying Marlboro wasn't a big brand or anything, but they were fabulous. Look, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at brands that have been involved. It's not always the the biggest, most prestigious brands that are on the side of these cars right like it's almost as if formula one created you know the the uh, the clout for the brand right like or racing in general helped kind of create that clout and so i don't i don't like you said you led off with oracle like great example i mean Oracle being part of F1, does anyone think anything more of Oracle now? Not really. And they're massive. They are a massive company, you know, globally. But you have, uh, you know, and I go back to the Marlboro comic because that's what I mean. And it's like, oh my God, Marlboro, it's synonymous with, with you know, the Marlboro McLaren, Marlboro Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. You don't, you don't see that about Red Bull. I mean, I haven't heard anyone be like, oh, yeah, the Oracle Red Bull team, other than, you know, PR stuff. So I don't know if it has to be the biggest and best brands. Uh, I think this, I think the steak thing actually kind of works regardless of the issues with it because it is different. It's It, it almost becomes their identity, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know what era we're in right now when it comes to sponsorship. I, you know, I thought the crypto when crypto, I, I mean, I called crypto the new cigarette in motorsport, right? Like I have a TikTok and a blog and a newsletter post that I, I, 
I thought that was like, oh man, all these, we're going all in on crypto. It's going to be everywhere. Crypto is a new cigarette in motorsport. Then we kind of had that, this crypto winter and that changed the, the scene. And then saw Sauber made a, made a move and said, okay, cool. Everyone's going to lose their crypto sponsors. We're going to go and pick one up and we're going to make them our main sponsor. And we're going <sighs> to, I mean, I think it's actually almost kind of, kind of genius. Yeah. Um, the, the, the opportunities are pretty, I don't want to say endless, but there's tons of opportunity with the partnerships that stake and, and whatnot have. Um, they're they're huge with Drake. I think mm-hmm. Drake is one of their their partners. Ambassadors, and it, yeah. Ambassadors, that's what I would say. And uh, you know, you look at like I'll change the I'll change the thought for a second, but you look at like um, Spotify and what they've done in in the football world um, on some of the kits they're on uh, in English football, and they've put like. You know, because Spotify was a sponsor of, or was it English football? Maybe it was Spanish. Maybe it was Real Madrid. Whatever team they sponsor, they went and put like the Rolling Stones logo because they had the front of jersey or front of kit sponsorship. They were able to like promote artists, which I thought was like really cool. You know, and I think that I think someone did that in F one too, or maybe it was NASCAR, and that, with Spotify. Um. So like there, there's to me there. I think there's more creativity with the brands that are not the biggest ones in the world. You have a lot less um, autonomy when when you have a an Oracle or a you know uh, an SAP. All these massive software brands like Apple is not going to want to. Uh, I'm not saying Apple's not going to want to sponsor, but they're going to very much want to be front center, right? Yeah. Um. They they they'll want to trounce the 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 name of the team. It'll kind of like Oracle with Red Bull. It's the Oracle Red Bull Racing team. Yeah. And again, no one calls it Oracle Red Bull Racing. No one cares about Oracle. You know, like the Oracle piece of that. So, anyway, I I'm I'm kind of like low key into this whole stake thing. I, I'm curious to see how like what they what creativity they have with with it and see what they do i think a lot of it is also that so many of these title sponsorships you know lesser known sponsorships they don't last very long they're like maybe two one two three years deals so they're pretty low um risk i would say uh because you know that okay well maybe this is um this deal is just two years uh right so if this doesn't pan out, they can always leave. Uh, I don't suspect that a Sam Bankman Freed um, issue is going to come up, as was the case with with uh, that a few uh, was it last year, two years ago. Um, I don't I don't see that happening. I'm just reading a report that says um, Stake generated nearly two point six billion dollars in gross gaming revenue mm-hmm. in two thousand. What was it? Two thousand twenty two alone. Um, that was up from 1.8 billion Australian dollars, which is 1.2 billion USD in 2021, and a big jump from just 105 million dollars a year prior. So that was, you know, kind of the height of COVID. Uh, so 
they've obviously been building as a company. And so I think there's a lot to be excited for. I don't think that is much of a liability necessarily as some people would want to say, and only because I will say this about F1 and crypto sponsors, I would say there's, there's a higher level of liability and only because so many crypto companies have gone under. And so, you know, I said on my blog, we were talking about this in pre-show a year or two years ago, um, when, um, FTX crashed that is there a ever a time where F1, just like how, when celebrities, um, have the sec, which is the securities and exchange commission for those who are out of the U S um, if they come after a celebrity for promoting crypto, the promoting any type of product, making money off of it without proper disclosures, um, or that the company went, went under and that a lot of people lost money, et cetera, et cetera. So they're directly responsible for when a crypto company F's up or when they fail to disclose. So is it the, the responsibility knowing that F1 is still one of the most talked about sports in the world? Um, is it their responsibility to kind of, I guess, caution people on gaming practices, caution people on investments and say, just, you know, kind of just because we have them as a title sponsorship, they have the money to present to us, et cetera, et cetera. But please be, please be careful with your investments. Is there ever a time where that's appropriate for F1? And, uh, you know, you already have companies or countries that are, I think they said that you can't use stake, um, their full name in countries where gambling is illegal. So I think that there's, there's already some issues that presents. I was reading on Reddit that said stake F1 team deleting gambling critical comments and then right underneath it it says just to make you aware an estimated three percent of the world's population suffers from betting and gambling addiction about 70 17 percent of them have attempted suicide in one or more cases think again is stake really a title sponsor you want to support there have been several comments being posted under their current posts making aware of the risk of gambling and criticizing stake as a main sponsor all of the critical comments have been deleted by the admin Okay, I didn't say that. This is from a Reddit. So, and this is three days ago. Yeah. So, I I don't... Well, here's my thing, right? Those same people that are are complaining about steak, were they complaining about Marlboro? And if they were, fine. We didn't have social media back then. We didn't. <laughs> so we didn't. maybe they were. Right. But that's kind of where I'm at with it, where it's like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually I don't even know where I'm at with it because I want to say that you know these sponsor, you know, the, these teams need money to to race, and yeah, it, it's challenging right to get the kind of money you need to 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 reason in this the series this is the premiere series so i 
I just wonder if there is a way to like, is is F one not to blame? Like, or are they the ones that are just kind of like, I don't want to say not at fault, but is it really F one that's at fault for like has to have that responsibility? You know, or is it on the teams? Is it the teams that need to worry? Hey, you're, you're getting the sponsors. Um, but, you know, you need to focus on making sure that uh, your audience, the the people that you're um, uh, that are interacting with your content are uh, aware that this is bad for them. I'm also the kind of person that's like, you know what, if you are that, like, if you're not, if you're an adult and you can't make your own choices and decisions, like, then what, then what, what are you doing? Right. Like we all have our own free will. We all make decisions ourselves. Right. Personally, I'm not going to go and, you know, smoke cigarettes because there's Marlboro on the side of a car, my favorite F1 car of all time. Right. Are, are there people that are influenced that easily? Like, I don't know, but is that really on the, the team or F1 to have to worry about? Yeah. So, so there's like, there's two sides to that. You know, there's part of me that says, yeah, you know, go find money elsewhere. But then there's also part of me that says, you know what? People can make their own decisions. People are adults. They're, they're, yeah. you know, okay. Well, the kids, well, the kids. Okay. I mean, kids don't necessarily always know what these things are either. Um, so uh, it's just, it's, it's such a, it's a catch 22, right? It's a, yeah. it's an absolute catch 22. Well, regarding the kids thing, um, I actually, it was unrelated, but related earlier today, there was this, I saw this TikTok of this girl who worked at Sephora complaining about how the, uh, or not complaint, it was a valid complaint <laughs> saying that the, her least favorite customers are the tweens are the, you know, 11 <laughs> through 14 year old girls who go in there because they're influenced by, you know, influencers to go buy certain things and they make their little drunk elephant cocktails. If you know, you know, and they leave the stores a mess. They steal, they're just, they're, they're, they're crazy. They can't discipline them. And there were so many comments in there that were calling out influencers for this behavior, saying that you guys are creating a bunch of monsters. And I'm thinking to myself, what? is it on the influencer or is it on the parent? Because last I checked, mm. the influencer isn't the parent. The influencer is a business person. They are trying to make money. So, yeah. and I think the same can be said for these Formula One teams, for F1 itself, is that they always, people always want to talk about the ethics, the moral, the virtue and all these things with F1. And like, are we, are we going to make money off of having everything predicated off of morals, ethics, values, things like that? Um, no, you're not. In fact, if every single company worked that way, uh, we would not be a capitalist society, period. Yeah. We would not be successful people, period. Um, everybody has those decisions that they have to make in life that as a leader, as a partner, you might not want to make, they might be really critical, really hard decisions, but you have to make them because who's going to make them for you, if not you, right? So these teams, and we, 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 we know this full well with Haas. Haas is just, I mean, I don't know how Haas is staying afloat at this point, um, but they're not doing well. They're not excelling. They're not improving. They're going to take any bit of sponsorship money that they can possibly get right now because it's keeping them afloat barely. You know, and it's people always say, well, why do they keep signing Magnuson and Hulkenberg? And it's like, well, because there's a, like, 
there's a they exactly do you think they can afford Carlos signs I mean you've got half the grid next year whose contracts are up do you think that Haas is going to be able to afford a single driver on that grid aside from I don't know um who who would they be able to afford I don't think they could afford anyone, if I'm being completely the ones, honest. The ones they have on there. Even Captain America. I don't think they could afford Captain America because I think he would see that as a massive downgrade if Williams doesn't re-sign him. That's, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like they're going to take any bit of money that they can get their hands on. So, yeah, you know, we can sit there and, and, and say that I think that that F1 and the teams need to have some sort of responsibility to fans to educate them about gambling, et cetera, et cetera, smoking, drinking, all the stuff. But at the end of the day, we have to understand this is business mm-hmm. and that not everything is going to be moral and virtuous to everyone, but it's business. I mean, even the Saudis, they decided to um, end compulsory hijab and they decided to relax a lot of their laws to embrace Western traditions. And we talked about this a lot and they did that because they understand the importance of kind of bridging that gap between the East and the West because of the the promotion of tourism. And they had to do a lot of things they didn't want to do, allowing alcohol in their countries, allowing women to show their, their bodies uh, things that they didn't want to do, but they've done. And it's been a relatively safe, safe space. So, you know, it's it's decisions have to be made every single day in the name of business. And look at Formula One, every single day a decision is being made. So it's your choice as a parent. It's your choice as a consumer of F1 to to participate in with any of these products being offered. You know, it's like it's like Red Bull and Monster. How many lawsuits are there every single year? How many people die every single year for caffeine consumption? Um, but yet you're not seeing these teams or the, these sponsors removed from formula one, you know, it's, it's, you have to take agency over yourself and you can't blame sponsors and say that, that they're, they're bad influences because let's be real driving a car up to 300 miles an hour. That's also a bad influence. It's also pretty dangerous. itself, right? I agree with you. Um, So I'm, I'm on that. I'm on the same page there. I mean, yeah, it's like, what are we? You know, what are you watching? What are you? <laughs> what are you already consuming that yeah. that is, you know, a vice or or you know something that's dangerous? I mean, boxing yeah. is dangerous, and of course, boxing has sponsorship, and there's money coming from nefarious places. I'm saying boxing, but boxing, UFC, all that kind of stuff. It is what it is, right? Like those are the outlets that those brands can get themselves involved with and so i think racing is no different you know it's it's not a safe it's it's never been something considered safe so um if you're consuming that as it is like you said i mean you're already you're already in the (laughs) you're kind of in that in that spot so uh yeah but it's like interesting though even we talked about um, why don't why don't larger companies want to get involved as as, as uh, title sponsors with Formula One? It's because they want to buy it. <laughs> you know how many yeah. people want to buy F one? They want to buy some kind of stake. I mean, Apple right now, I guess, is trying to make a push for um, uh, to buy the um, the rights to F one, um, the media rights to F one, um, mm-hmm. and. It, 
at what point is ESPN and, and, and Sky Sports going to cave to that? There's a lot of money involved in this. So it's like, are you going to get mad at Apple if you're a, if you're a, God, what's the other one? Android. If you're an Android user and you happen to be an F1 fan, are you going to like just stop watching because you have a seething hatred towards Apple? No, you're going to keep watching it. Um, yeah. But, you but know. like, you know, we, we were talking about the bigger brands. The bigger brands want control. Exactly. Like I, like I said about yeah. Oracle, it's about control. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not the same as you know someone like Stake getting involved and saying we're going to do X. Um, we want our name on it, but you guys can kind of just do whatever. Versus Oracle, where it's like. No, you know, here's our name, but here's we need things to to kind of operate this way, or we need, you know, we. And again, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but I just from working with large um, brands like that as customers, I know how they prefer things to work uh, in in yeah. you know for them, where it's like, yeah, we'll give you the money. We yeah, sure we have all this money, but we want things to happen our way and so you know it becomes a kind of a war of attrition and and i think that's why you don't see as big a brand um involved with the teams all the time oh, or yeah. at least as tight at least as title sponsors but i think that's also... just such a huge yeah you know it's a it's a very that's a big undertaking but you also have to understand well fans have to understand too that a lot of times when these sponsors get involved they are trying to get some they're trying to get exposure and that's what this is and so they look at that and say well how much money is it going to cost us to get on this f1 car how much money is it going to cost us to get involved with this this team because we know that we have the money we know that f1 provides us a value a global exposure and when you're an online gambling resource essentially you're your reach is limitless, except for countries where it is banned. So, you know, and and case in point, in 2018, F1 viewership was five. It says 554,000. Uh, in 2023, each race, I guess, was 1.11 million viewers. That's in the United States. Yeah, that's in the U.S. market. Yeah. That's just mm-hmm. in the U.S. Whoa. So it's almost doubled. And so you have to imagine what this exposure is going to do for stake. I didn't know what stake was until a few months ago. I don't gamble. Like I, I'm not involved in any of that stuff. I didn't know what it was. And then suddenly now we know everything about stake because of this new, new uh, partnership. So it's like they are being successful already in this. People already know who they are. So, I mean, that's what this is. They're trying to make money. I, I think that people just have to, I think that, once the sooner people realize that every single move that's being made in formula one is about money the easier a lot of the things that happen will become um um it'll just become a lot easier to understand all the moving parts within f1 and and then you can say the same with any organization period it's all about money so i think we need to stop acting surprised when there's a new celebrity that comes in and buys up a little chunk of a team, we need to stop acting surprised when this controversial company comes in and, you know, becomes a title partner 
we just need to stop acting surprised because we know what the end game is here. They want exposure and Formula One is the perfect vessel to do that. It's uh, F1 is definitely a good way to get your brand recognized globally. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's where I think American brands who are already, and I have, I have a lot of, um, friends acquaintances whatever you want to call it in the the sponsorship partnership space and you know the uptick first of all there's more american brands right now in f1 than any other country american brands dominate um and last year at the towards the beginning of the season you know there was over 100 partners or sponsors in f1 that were from the u.s so they're there it's just a matter of how much money i think what we're going to see now is more money coming from those sponsors so you know maybe you will see larger uh investments and maybe you will see uh, uh longer term partnerships and that's where i think we'll start to see um things shift i just don't know that uh it's gonna they're gonna be um, what's the word I'm looking for? Title sponsors. I don't know if that's what we're going to see right away. Yeah. That's kind of hard too. I was just looking. Um, sponsor United says uh-huh. McLaren F1 team takes pole position with the most endorsements this season, partnering with 57 brands, a remarkable yep. 45% of which are US based, including Hilton Hotels, Resorts, Google Chrome, mm-hmm. and New Era. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah they've is- done a good job. Zach Brown has done a really yeah. good job of. Oh yeah, of getting the U.S. partnerships, and you know what? Good for them. They also have an IndyCar presence, so they've already got kind of like that ecosystem going. But because um, of that, switching switching gears for one second, my mm-hmm. I love the pun. Do, do you think that perhaps that would be a reason why they would vote against Andretti? Um. They're the more valuable team, or do you think they would say, "Hey, American team, let's let's go"? I think so. I would okay. In a if Zach Brown wasn't the CEO, I would say yeah, absolutely. Because who who doesn't want to be the only person fishing in that pond, the pond of um, you know the United States sponsorship? But yeah, Zach Brown's a marketer. He really like yeah. dude is a marker at heart. Um he gets it. And I and I truly believe that he understands the value of a rising tide. Mm-hmm. And it's not gonna hurt him long term. Maybe maybe short term, you'll get a little bit of uh you know, oh we're we might lose some or we might see less money because you'll see sponsors you know wanting to test out Andretti and associate themselves with Andretti but long term it just means there's more interest and so yeah. when Andretti runs out of space on their car or if you know in the their partnership where are they going to go well hey here's McLaren sitting right here and vice yeah. versa so it's not exactly like it's the worst thing in the world Right. And the, the teams that think that way are the teams that are just so old school in their thinking that, you know, they believe, oh, there's not enough to go around. They're like, there's plenty to go around. You know, there's plenty yeah. of brands out there that are willing to sponsor. 
and oh, they're yeah. willing to get involved. You just have, they have to just go find them. They just have to kind of do that fishing. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, when you're sitting pretty up, up at the top, you don't necessarily want to have to, you don't want to change. You don't want things to change. You're like, oh, this yeah. is, I'm in a good, I'm in a good place, right? There's a reason why I'm sitting pretty up at the top. I don't want to have to switch it up now. I don't want to have to go and do more work to get that, right? To, to get that money, because I could just sit here, veto them, and I'll get the money anyway. That's probably there's so the much process there. But there's so much more money involved in F1 than there ever has been. And I mean, it is more reckless and more cutthroat than it's ever been. But, you know, to your point about the, the genius of Zach Brown, I mean, no one will ever forget that Oscar Piastri uh, tweet from, from last year. <laughs> like that was yeah. absolutely effing savage what he did. And you have to imagine he had to have been consulting with Zach while that was all happening and saying, how do I say this? Because knowing that this, I mean, this this post was in August, uh, July, August. Um, he was going to be with Alpine for several months mm-hmm. thereafter. So knowing yeah. that, obviously, like things wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't be sharing anything with him. But right. still, um, you know, it's being pushed out of an organization because of a decision that you've made that that's still not a good feeling, even though you're going to greener pastures. Um, but yeah, I mean, the genius of Zach Brown, I think that he wants people to have more. I, I genuinely think he's that if there, ha- there is a situation where you've got an Andretti team potentially coming in, I think that Zach Brown would be the one to advocate for it and say, look guys, we've got three, we've got three races in America. We've got how much, how much money is involved in American sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Having an Andretti name in Formula One again would be would open up the floodgates to potential American sponsorships, and Haas could even benefit from that. Let's be real. Yeah. So, I mean, I think from the sponsorship perspective, we talk about the morals and values and all the stuff. Well, we know that those don't exist in Formula One; they just don't. So, let it be cutthroat. Let the teams, you know, let let uh, Andretti in and and see which teams can can fly. I mean, Zach's already competing against Andretti and IndyCar, so right. it's not like exactly. It's 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 not like there's <laughs> oh suddenly. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's another motorsport, and I understand they're different businesses and whatnot. But uh, like I said, I I just can't imagine someone as savvy as him thinking that it's a bad idea yeah. for there to be more, you know, interest in yeah. in the U.S. market. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll have to continue to see what happens because again, I mean, money drives this entire operation. And so there has to be financial incentive. And I don't know. I, I even the thing that happened with um, Toto and Susie Wolf and the FIA, mm. uh, even that was like, it, it's like there was nothing happening in the off season every team stayed the same. There was nothing really exciting happening. I think the only thing we've heard recently aside from stake has been Carlos signs performance coach going to going to max for whatever reason. Um, There hasn't been a lot of drama and that was the drama. And a lot of people kind of have their own theories on that saying 
they wanted to know just how, you know, how big the alliance was between these teams. And the fact that every single team released the exact same statement in defense of the Wolves, instead of having, you know, one person, one team hold out and say, wait a second, you know what I mean? Because the rumor was that a coach, that a, a coach, a team principal leaked that information. So in unison, they all said, no, that didn't happen. So I think right now we can kind of get a good, good um, perspective on just how in control these teams are. I think of what's going to be happening over the next couple of years with Formula One, which is exciting because I think people have had it with the FIA. People have just kind of, they, they don't want them to be as involved in Formula One as they are because they can't seem to get things right. They make things up as they go. <laughs> so that's for sure. That's, <laughs> that is absolutely what seems to continue happening is, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th I wanted to touch on one other topic before we, before we are cut out on this and sticking to the Americas, because I think it's important is, um, what we're something, something we're talking a little about, very little about is Miami. Mm. And I want to ask you this question. And I've posed this to a few people, but I'm curious to hear what you, you know, what you think about it after Vegas and after, you know, what we, what we saw in Vegas and what we got in Vegas. Do you think Miami's in trouble? I'm going to ask, I'll say that. I'll ask that question first. Um, yes. Um, I think it was in trouble a while ago because people who were there said that it was trying to be Vegas in a lot of ways and that in a lot of ways when they had the driver introductions, et cetera, it, they said it was, it was too American and that yeah. the reality of that race, and I know that they've, they've moved it up in May, um, which is good, but it's still going to be hot as hell. Everyone who goes to that race says the same thing. It's too freaking hot. It is way too hot to be an afternoon race. It's way too humid. Um, add concrete in the mix and you're an asphalt in the mix and your, your feet are on fire. Uh, I know people who have worked at that race and they've said the same thing that they thought they were going to have heat stroke. So I think it's in trouble simply based on the elements that the race is kind of built around. Um, there's nothing exciting really about the track. You've got, you've got expensive real yachts in essentially balsa wood, uh, with fake water that looks horrible from any angle. And they keep doubling down on that and keep saying, well, we're going to keep this. Well, why do something else? This is cheesy and tacky. No one likes it. Make it a night race. You can figure it out. Um, there's just so many little things that they can do to make that race cooler and better. And I do think that this is going to be one of those competitive things between Formula One and Miami is that depending on how well um, Las Vegas or Formula One uh, assesses uh, the complaints of the Las Vegas Grand Prix and improves upon them based off of the, the feedback 
that they're getting from people, if they're able to make significant changes to the race next year, then they're basically saying to Miami, if you wanted to, you would have. Mm. And this isn't just one promoter versus another. This is quite literally Formula One versus a promoter who seems to not want to change a single thing about that race, knowing that there are so many complaints about it. So, yeah, I do think that next season, what happens between, and it hasn't been announced yet if Miami's going to be a night race or not, it should be. But, um, yeah, I think they're, the, the biggest comparison next year in the newer races is going to be Miami and Las Vegas. And if Vegas listens to the people, if they have the race earlier, if they have better food options, if they open up the different activations to different ticket groups, if, you know, like concerts, et cetera, if they listen to all of those little details, they're going to significantly start to outpace Miami in terms of people wanting to go there because that audience is going to say, well, this might be Miami and it might be nice weather, you know, to just kind of lay out at, but it's not nice weather to go to a race at. And I would yeah. rather spend my money in a place where they actually listen. So I think that's the biggest thing that people should be paying attention to next year. Yeah. I mean, so, so that's a, I think that's a great, um, I think that's a good way of putting it is, you know, listening to the fans and, and whatnot. I'm also curious um, to how just the overall buzz and shine of Vegas um, outdoes Miami. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of thought, kind of already had thought that this year, where it was like, okay, it, it wasn't the Miami GP didn't even happen yet, and they were already talking about Vegas. And they were already hyping Vegas, kind of because they had to, right? They're they're promoting the race themselves, so um, you just wonder, like, how much can F not now F one is promoting it, right? So it's like, yeah. of course, that's that is an interest. I don't, I almost want to call it a conflict of interest, right? Where it's it like, is. it is for sure. Hey, this is our race. But the Miami race is also our race, mm -hmm. but not really our race because somebody else is promoting it. So yeah, I don't know. It's it. It'll be interesting to see how now that um, Vegas has happened, where does that leave Miami in yeah. the grand scheme of things? And is it going to be harder for them to promote that race? Yeah. Well, the fact that they're having to give so many, so much cautionary advice to people going into Miami saying it's really hot. So if you can get a covered seat, which are extremely limited, it's worth the upcharge. Well, why are you upcharging people for covered seating anyway, knowing that it could be detrimental to a person's health, knowing that a person could literally die of heat stroke? Um, you know, what are water prices like? What, how are you making it comfortable for people? And again, and I will say, you know, we watched the race from the um, Centurion Lounge. They had blankets for people. If they, if they, if, if one of the attendants thought that you were cold, they would literally come around and put a blanket on you. And I get it. That's that awesome. was, that was kind of an elevated experience, but at the same time, it's still the customer yeah. service. You are still a customer of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. You're still a customer of the Miami Grand Prix. So what's yeah. that customer service look like? 
So yeah, I mean, it's it, it the devil is absolutely going to be in the details. This is absolutely a conflict of interest, but what do you do? Formula One needs this to be successful because they serve to make a lot of money off of this. So, you know, and, and likewise, if the Las Vegas Grand Prix was an absolute disaster, then conversations would 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 be uh would have occurred by now <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. it was a it was a success but you know yeah I, I i've been to football games in the heat that have been horrible horrible and they've been longer football games than the than the race itself and there have been times where we've we've had to leave games it's just been so damn hot so imagine spending the, the the price for an F1 Miami ticket and having to leave. You know, it's, they've got to fix that. There's a broken product right now. And I would absolutely hate to see that race fail because again, it is America. It is great opportunity, great exposure. It's great money for the city of Miami. But at the same time, you know, it is a very broken product. Yeah. So I don't know. What are, what are your closing thoughts? What are your thoughts on on the actual American races and um, kind of, I guess, improvements. Like what, what race do you think is, is the best? What race do you think is the worst? You've been to my, you've been to Miami during the Miami Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, the best American race we have, I think is Brazil. <laughs> um. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I like that. Uh, to answer that question directly <laughs> the yeah I, I think it's a trouble i think there's yeah there will be trouble brewing whether it's this year or whether it's in a couple years i think the promoters are going to end up having a issue with formula one like there there's going to be a little bit of a, a you know a challenge there like hey we need your support to continue that you know promoting this race um we yeah. need a better product. Like, there's going to be something that comes to a head. Um, the best U.S. race, uh, I think, is always going to be Coda, until something drastically changes there. No, it's going to always be Coda. Forever. I think it's always going to be Coda. Always. Coda is, it's, it's, I mean, it's a purpose-built track, and unless, unless the cars change, and they become smaller. We're always going to have this problem of <laughs> these street tracks being um, crap, and I think Miami, of all, you know, of all three races, Miami actually kind of gets a, a total shaft because they're pretty much a parking lot race with, like, <laughs> they go around the stadium, right? Whereas at least Vegas, you're on the street. Yeah. You know, at least there's something that's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, like you said, Miami has so many things going against it. It's not even an act. It's not actually even in Miami. There's fake marina and all that crap. Where you're like, all right, this is cheesy. Um, and you know, it it's it's now sandwiched in between, uh, or not sandwiched in between, but it's now like put up against pit up against a uh, more prestigious feeling race and i don't know if miami i don't know if miami's gonna have that longevity yeah um well i also think that miami is competing against its boss right now and that's never a good thing 
It's basically saying, we can get it mm. right on the first go. We can get it right on the second go. Can you? Yeah. So it'll, it'll, I'll be very curious to see how it continues. Yeah, for out. sure. For sure. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. definitely, I would say that's one of the bigger storylines to watch for. And, you know, it that race, the Miami Grand Prix is the beginning of May. Um, I think Vegas is, Vegas is the third week of November this year. Um, I believe it's Thanksgiving week now. Um, so there's a big difference between those races. And that's going to give, again, because F1 is its promoter, that's going to give them a really long time and an ample window to make sure totally. that every single thing is perfect. And, uh, it, you know, I, I don't know. I think that Miami is up against a lot of obstacles against that. So we'll see. See what happens. What car, what car livery reveal are you most excited about this year? Because those are coming up. Uh, I give you one guess. Ferrari. Always. But Mm -hmm. if it's not, not them, I would, I'm kind of excited for Alpine. Low key. Yeah. I think, yeah. I'm going to go with Alpine. Kind of. Kind of. I'm excited to see what the Ryan Reynolds and all the new infusion of money (laughs) and creativity, like where is, what is that going to do for them? Will it be something? Yeah. Yeah, will something happen from that? Broncos fans were excited about Lewis Hamilton's minority ownership and, um, well, Broncos fans aren't very excited anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's it's a little all, bit different, though. It's a lot different. I'm just, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and, and I'll say this: like Ryan Reynolds. Obviously, it's it was not just Ryan Reynolds that that uh, put money in either, and it's also a stake in a it's a, it's a minority investment, right? Um, yeah. But what he's done, like what he did with Rexham and all of the media and, and you know, the True. documentary and, and like, I just think that is, if he sold Alpine on that, on those concepts, which I fully firmly believe he would have. Um, I think there's, I think there's a lot there they can do. And, you know, are we going to see a lot more uh, uh, Alpine in the, you know, I don't want to say in the news, but will we see a lot more Alpine in, um, you know, getting a lot of more press? Is he gonna? Are they gonna generate a lot more of that press? Um, yeah. So that's exciting. I mean, like that's kind of cool. So I mean, will that translate to a livery? Oh, maybe. But I think they're gonna do something else. Basically, I have a th- with that. I have a theory on Alpine. Okay, I think that because um, Blake Lively. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds' wife is best friends with Taylor Swift. Oh. That <laughs> we're going to see Taylor Swift at a race this season. And you're going to have Swifties become fans of Alpine. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um. I think the power of Taylor Swift is inevitably going to um, puncture Formula One. It, it's going to happen at some point. 
Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> and I know that's probably making a lot of people cringe right now, but now, now you're thinking about it, right? I mean, I love Taylor Swift, so that would be right. cool. But exactly. I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, will they suddenly just rush to F1, or will they just be like, oh, I want to wear this cool well, Alpine that's... merch. That's just the thing. These Swifties, know, a lot of them say that I know nothing about football, but I still watch because it's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. They, yeah. They've admitted, like on TikTok, social media, they know nothing about football. They're totally fine with that. Um, but they're like, yay, go sports. So that's what I'm saying. Like, are they going to get into F1? Probably not. But could they start buying Alpine merch? Could they start watching races? Could they even go to races just to say, oh, hi, Ryan Reynolds, F1 team? Like... Swifties sure. have money. Swifties find money, is what I'm saying. So yeah, they get it from their parents. Exactly, but this is this is one of those storylines. And again, I know people are cringing right now listening to this, but this is a storyline to follow because I have a I I'm just projecting. Oh, I'm with you. I'm predicting. I think it's it's a legit. Uh huh. And I, if I, and yeah. if it happens, don't kill the messenger. No, no, no. I think it's a legitimate. <laughs> um, I think it's it's a, it's an actually legitimate booster to whatever she's involved with. I mean, she's yeah, she's freaking awesome. Um, she's yeah, Taylor Swift, man. Oh, I love her. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see her showing up at the U.S. Grand Prix next year. Or potentially yeah. Vegas. I think that'd be fun. We'll see what happens. Hopefully right next to uh, Christian Horner. Oh, God. Well, at the same time, though, I think that her and Jerry Hollowell would probably have a lot to talk about. I mean, yeah, she's a Spice I, Girl. Like, yeah, that's I, pretty freaking cool. You know what? Somebody asked me a few weeks ago if there was anyone in Formula One that you would like to hang out with just to, like, like pick their brain just to hang out with. Like, who would it be? And I said Jerry Hollowell. And they looked at I, me like I was insane, and I'm like, oh, I, "You wouldn't either." <laughs> I, she, she just, she's a damn Spice Girl. Like, how could you not? I know. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, she's um, a Spice Girl. Exactly. It's it's fine, guys. It's, let's not let's not take things so seriously. But again, if the Taylor Swift manifestation comes true, don't kill the messenger. We're just here to have a You're podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'm gonna look out for that one. Okay. Yeah. Well, any any closing remarks? No. Go Taylor Swift. Go sports. <laughs> Yay, sports. All right. No, we'll catch well, you guys uh, on, on the next one. But where yeah, can we'll people catch, find you? Vincenzo Landino on Twitter. I'm, I'm always active there. No matter what. I haven't what. changed it. Nope. Okay. Good to know. I haven't changed mine either. It's the VF Castro. So find us. The follow us. Talk to us. We like talking to the people. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Ciao. Thank you so much for tuning into the VF1 show. If you liked it, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And for previews of next week's show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the VF Castro and Vincenzo Landino.